Hello. Yes, we're back. And that Bubuzuela sound can mean only one thing. Ultra has decided that Greg Berhalter should be fired once again. No. Uh, so we are here, ladies and gentlemen, on the Switch to Bits podcast. You're going to notice that it's my voice a lot tonight because, unfortunately, Darby uh, could not join us due to internet complications. But don't worry, because I have rounded up three of the best soccer guests I could find. And we are going to have a fantastic show covering a little bit of everything. Um, so before we get too deep into everything, I just want to go out and say that I greatly appreciate all of our listeners and all of our guests who are joining us tonight. And we are going to have a great show. So we're going to do something we haven't done before on this podcast. And that is, believe it or not, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Talk about stuff that doesn't just involve the United States. It's almost as if, you know, we're not the only country in the world that can play soccer, believe it or not. Um, as shocking as that is, uh, turns out that we're in a confederation with other teams and we're going to cover them tonight. Uh, I will do a spiel on the U.S. at certain points, but we're going to start off with, I guess, the U.S.'s oldest rival, but most certainly not the most hated at the moment. Mexico. And joining us on the podcast is someone who I am so very excited to finally welcome into this podcast. They are arguably the biggest fan of Switch the Pitch and arguably the biggest fan of Darby's and I's hands down. Um, and I adore them. And I am very excited to welcome Antonio into the show. Antonio, welcome in. How are you doing tonight, bud? Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, yeah, finally I'm here after, what, like three years maybe? I don't know. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah, great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Of course. I did tell you we would get you on at some point. I didn't get you for the USA match when I could rub in Dosa Cero, so I'm going to get that shot in right now in passing. Dosa Cero, Dosa Cero, Dosa Cero, Dosa Cero. I, All right, good. I mean, Out of the I, mean I mean, I mean, look what's talking. You know, somebody else lost to I know. Cero. You know, listen, wait, wait, listen, wait, 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 wate, wait, 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 how you say D E A D X D A zero. Ah, there you go. You got the French. Okay. Thank you. Thank All right. You. Well, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But uh, Antonio, you are gonna be our resident Mexico expert here. So, yes. um, I did not get a chance to catch a lot of the game, but I believe it was a zero zero draw. Is that yes? Is that correct? Yes. And that puts you level on points with the United States right now in second and third place, respectively. Um, at 18, um, give me your thoughts on on the game and what what exactly you're you're feeling right now. Um, it was horrible. They feel like it was like a, a uh, it was like uh, the, the players didn't know. Who, it was like the first time playing with each other. I don't. There was no chemistry. They were just throwing long balls. There was they did not playing good and. It was horrible to watch. I was just like on my phone, like, is the game over? Like, there was some, like, I'll be honest, I'm surprised it was 0-0. Costa Rica was coming. They had a chance to beat us, to give us the uh, Elastecaso, which I'm surprised they didn't. 
Um, I'm just waiting for this nightmare to be over. Either we qualify or we don't. Most of the Mexican people, even though this is going to be shocking to you, what I'm going to say, many of us are saying we should not qualify because there's a lot of reasons. And most of all, I do not. Well, you know what? I am going to say it because this is something that the media don't want nobody to hear. But let's all be honest. Televisa is the one who is the main owner of the Mexican national team. So if they do good, they get their money. It's all about the money. That's why we get those uh, those games in the USA, which we call it Juegos Moleros, which means game of money, so that they could get money and this sort of stuff, so they could give the money that the Mexican national team plays in USA to Club America so they could buy those players. Oh, Tell I, me how you really feel. Uh, Goodness gracious. Um, this, so, is, this is something, hold on. This is something that everybody has been saying it since 2010. We should not qualify for, for a World Cup. This thing has to be shut down to the core. They should not have what is called uh, preference players, as in sponsors say, yo, bring us this sponsor, and we'll get the, the sponsor will come bring us this player, so we'll give you money. We don't. We want that out. Back the Mex. Every Mexican fan says we sh- we should just not qualify for the World Cup. We're trying. I think. I think that word. I think they're trying their best so we don't qualify. So this whole thing gets shut down. And I'd be honest. I I hope we don't qualify so that way the preference players or this other stuff is gone. Rather than hey, let, this is the coach. Bring the players that we do need. And that's all. Because if Mexico qualifies, everything's going to keep going like like it's nothing. If we don't qualify, this thing is going to go into complete overhaul. So I think we should definitely have you back at some point to cover that topic. Because that seems like you've got a lot to say on that. It seems like our Canadian guests have something similar that they would also like to jump in on. So I think I think we're, we're getting some podcast ideas during the offseason here. But... So let's bring it back to today's match. Um, so I, and this is my opinion, Costa Rica versus Mexico is always scrappy. And it's always one of those games where, you know, it's never a pretty, pretty game, right? Like it's never, it's never a game you look at and you're like, wow, you know, this is going to be like four to two, or this is going to be like a two one. It's always going to be something scrappy where the goals are usually pretty, pretty ugly, right? Um, and a, a lot of fouls just because those two teams do not like each other and haven't ever liked each other. Uh, do you think, though, that not having fans in the Azteca played a part in today's match? Oh, no. Do you think that Do you think that there was any impact from that at all whatsoever? No, I'm surprised. Like I said before, I'm surprised this thing ended 0-0. I mean, they've been playing bad since, like, last year. Right. And... Like when when Tata came, we we're like, oh my god, this we're gonna have explosive players, this other stuff, and you know. But I, I don't even know what happened. I'm still surprised that we even have 18 points. You know, I, I was hoping maybe by eight by now, maybe it'll be like in that elimination. You know, I. So I'm gonna yeah. jump in on this here because I think a lot of that comes down to 
some questionable player decisions. And there's a lot of talented Mexican players who are not being invited to join this club just because they've fallen out of favor with the manager. This is a problem that's also happening to the U.S. and Craig Burhalter. I'm sure we'll get into that later. But it's happening to both of them. Like, both squads aren't bringing optimal rosters. Uh, yeah. So let's... Go ahead, Antonio. No, mostly... Mostly... Um, this whole thing started. This whole... Uh, I don't know. Like, the play... It was players and uh, players versus the coach. This all happened in that uh, Mexico versus USA game at MetLife Stadium. When the... Um, Everybody knows this. Uh, Miguel Ayun, uh, Chicharito, and I think Andres Guardado. I don't, I don't want to put Andres Guardado in that name, but I know it's Miguel Ayun, Chicharito, and I think there's like two more players. I don't remember the names, but I'm thinking it's, I don't I don't remember if it's Andres Guardado or somebody or the other two. But supposedly, well, there's videos that they went to a party in New York City. And supposedly, like how I'm going to say the name, Weston McKinney uh, brought in some, you know, kind of friends into the hotel. And unfortunately, this is what the rumors going on. One of Tata Martino's people got fired and they were in the blacklist. And in that blacklist, that's why we don't see Miguel Ayun back. Chicharito is not back since that day happened. Um... And, I, you know, the other players, you know, at the, don't re, like I said, I don't remember the other two. My, my thinking is Andres Guardado maybe, uh, but don't quote me on it. But I think there's something like that. Uh, they, they asked for forgiveness and they got the forgiveness. Chicharito has not said nothing because he says he hasn't done nothing wrong. Um, I and Chicho's in form. Like, he was playing very well in the MLS. I, like, the fact that you're not bringing Chicho, even though he is an older player for Mexico. It, it's mostly... Like, it, it says something. It's mostly because of that. He hasn't asked for that, quote-unquote, forgiveness. Because, let's all be honest, in the past, Mexico's players have been going to, like, having those parties that we like to call. And, um, like, I don't know if you guys remember the Copa America fiasco thing. Uh, they brought part... They brought... um people from that and you know there was I think it was like four players got off the team and it's it's a like a normal thing for them and and, and since that day that's this whole thing went off the script and uh right now I mean I'll be understanding if this thing goes downhill I won't be surprised if Tata swallow his pride and calls the players. So, Antonio, yes. do you think that if you did bring a more experienced roster featuring players like Chicharito, do you think you would have performed better in the match today? Yes, definitely. You you need a goal scorer. Um, Funes Mori, I was... When when the announcement came that Funes Mori was going to be in it, I was like, okay, we have a, a striker, but Funes Mori um, has not been performing well like he was supposed to... Like he is performing with uh, Monterrey. The, the, how we call it, um, la camiseta de la grande, which means the sh- the jersey is too big for you. Um, like you know what it means, it's been too hard on him. He only scored like what two goals so far, and he hasn't performed like he's supposed to. And you know it's been a fiasco. Right now, those those passes that we saw that I saw in the game, Chicharito were scored as it would have been like three zero. It would have been 
all right, let's go, let's go, this other stuff, you know. So, so sorry, ahead. I'm going to talk over you a little bit here, uh, Ultra, but go ahead. Go in Canada, we have Stephen Vittoria, someone who, in all accounts, is not the best center back, but he's back there and he's a steadying presence. That's what Mexico needs up front. They need someone like a Chitorito who has been on the world stage and proven very useful for this Mexican club. There's no leadership. There is nobody at the helm for this squad. And as much as you want that to be Fugundes Mori, because he is a younger player, he's not there yet. You need that veteran experience. Like, I even wonder with the Canadian comparison again. We have Lucas Cavallini, who has been there. He's done that. He's scored goals in the Azteca. Like, this is the problem with the Mexican team, is while they're not necessarily a young team, they're a leaderless team. So, let's actually... And we're going to come back around the Mexico, but since the segue is there, let's go ahead and jump to that Canada game. So real quick, I'm just going to get this out there in the world so that it is done and we can move on with the podcast. I told literally everybody who would listen in a Twitter space literally two, three days ago that Canada needed to be taken seriously. I screamed about it. I ranted about it for like 20 minutes to like three people in a room because the space wasn't full. But I literally said verbatim, Canada is probably the toughest opponent the U.S. is going to face and that they needed to not overlook them and that Canada was really freaking good. And everybody looked at me like I had three heads. But I, I legitimately went on a rant about this. Well, guess what? Turns out our neighbors up north figured it out because they sure as hell kicked our ass today. And I mean, if you ask Greg Berhalter, we played a dominant game that Canada just couldn't match. But if you ask uh, everybody else who is in the world of the living who watched that game, um, they would tell you that that that, that was about as... Uh, as as much of a dismantling as you could get. So I am very pleased now to be joined by Natasha and Conrad. Conrad, you've already heard. Uh, Natasha uh, is joining us as well. And real quick, I just want to say to both of you, congratulations. Uh, very, very big day for you guys. Um, I'm going to go to Natasha first. Uh, what's going through your head? How are you feeling? Like, walk me through what it's been like today through this roller coaster ride. You were at the match, I believe. So, yeah. like, give me all these details. What's it been like? I mean, first, I should probably say this is not actually what my voice sounds like. It is just very hoarse after doing a lot of yelling. It was just, oh, we're, we're just, just on cloud nine, man. Like, I think even the most faithful and optimistic of Canadian fans would have never guessed that we'd be where we are now. Like, I think, I think most people within like supporter circles and stuff are like, yeah, you know, we could, we do really well. We can like maybe qualify third. Like, you know, if we, if we do fourth, we can make it through the intercontinental playoff, but like to be beaten Mexico and the U S and top of the table for a few matches in a row now, it's just like pinch me. I'm dreaming. And, um, you know, there's a big welcome for the buses today and, even the players were just like, whoa, we were not expecting that. And they said it really made a difference. Like I, I dropped like probably good 40 bucks on confetti poppers and streamers and people had smoke and everything. Like the bus had trouble getting through and that just really set a great tone for the match. And um, 
you know, U.S. fans probably aren't quite aware of this, but there was we didn't even know till like a week or two ago that the game was even going to happen in Hamilton because, um, you know, we're under a lot of COVID restrictions right now. Um, like restaurants and stuff are closed or opening again tomorrow, but um, it was 50% capacity because of the COVID restrictions. That's kind of what they were able to negotiate to actually let it go through. Apparently they were talking about um, holding it in Costa Rica instead. Um, that was a pretty I real really option. I really heard Vancouver. Um, but I didn't hear of Costa Rica. I actually heard Edmonton because Alberta okay. has fifty percent. So yeah, but I'll, I'll, Costa I'll... Rica is like an emergency location. But um, yeah, I think the reason it was held in Hamilton was because the players didn't want to travel to the West Coast because it's further and the, the time difference. But yeah, yeah, that that location thing has been debated to the end amongst Canadians. So I'm going to jump now to Conrad. So Conrad, you. Uh, first and foremost, you and I have developed a very, very good friendship over the last, uh, I'd say, almost a year now it's been. Um, and so we actually met kind of briefly online at the start of the World Cup qualifying. Uh, so you and I have been on this roller coaster together for both of our teams. Um, and we have been trying to get you on the podcast. So I'm very happy to have you here. Uh, we both have a love for all the same sports. Um, you watched the game at the bar today, I believe, with your fellow supporters. So. Kind of walk me through what that experience was like. And before we even get into the game, I just want to hear like what the mood amongst just the overall population is right now after this win. So I'm going to build off what Natasha said. Sure. A lot of Canadian supporters didn't believe. Like we had what we believe is the strongest player in the world, Alfonso Davies, coming in. But we didn't know what Kyle Laren was going to bring. We didn't know what Jonathan David was going to bring. We didn't know until we went into the Aztec and got that draw that this team was going to be where they are. That is where the nation really got behind this club. And then we came into the Azteca, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and we get a huge win over Mexico. And then we had 44,000 people. In this country, we have not come behind our national team in soccer to that level. As much as it is as a stereotype, we come together over successful teams. We come together over our hockey teams because they are the best in the world. We come together for our skiers because they're top of the world. But soccer was a second-class sport in this country up until Alfonso Davies hitting the world stage. And our we're all in. I was at our Voyagers supporter bar. And there was not an empty seat in the house. We had to turn people away from our supporters bar as it was at 50% capacity restriction. And everybody in that bar was going hoarse, um, especially because our second goal today was scored by Calgary's own uh, Sam Adekube, who his family has built Calgary soccer to what it is. Uh, we actually have chants about his father in our stadium because we have Elijah, his younger brother, playing for us. His dad is James Bond to Calgary soccer because if you couldn't afford to play soccer in Calgary, his family would be the ones who were driving you to practices. They were driving you to matches in Edmonton. So his goal today, his first for the national team, was our Calgary's way of saying we're still here. We don't necessarily have a glut of players. And we have one of the most maligned players in Canada history which was the snub of a certain Bayern Munich Canadian English soccer player 
um, who I won't even put his name out there because he denied playing for Canada in the 90s. But um, we're, this country's coming behind this team and we're coming like a storm. So going to go to Natasha first and Conrad. So let's talk a little bit about this game um, before we get too deep into statistics, because I know we're going to get there at some point because I have Conrad here. Um, so I know we're going to get there at some point. I want to talk about more broad stuff. So let's talk real quick about the United States and a potential arrogance that they came into this game with. To me, and this is coming from a U.S. standpoint, I want to hear from the Canadian standpoint. It looked as though the U.S. came into this game carrying this almost I am holier than thou type of attitude when approaching the Canadian game. Um, It looked as though they came in overconfident. It looked as though they came in um, almost expecting to just walk in, walk out with a win and like, okay, it's just Canada brush it off. Um, Natasha, you were there. Did you at all feel like the team, at least as far as the United States came in, had an arrogance problem today? And, you know, do you think that, I guess, it, it cost them? Um, I think a bit hard to tell from my perspective. I, I, I could barely see what was going on in the field, like facial expressions and stuff, because I left my glasses at home, because just wearing a mask and like minus nine, just, it would have oh, been fun anyway. So. First ski um, goggles. Ski I, goggles is the tip. Yeah. Uh, not quite that goal, but I know a lot of people pointed out that, you know, the U.S. didn't seem very enthusiastic, enthusiastic about singing the anthem. And of course, Canada's kind of been known for just absolutely belting it out, especially at home games. But I think that's the only thing I would say. They just didn't seem as, as into it as Canada. And yeah, you know, it, it was tough conditions and stuff. They probably weren't fully prepared for like truly how cold it was going to be and the turf and stuff. But um yeah, I don't know. I think I think Did they Turner were, not um... get the message from uh, Borean that he needed sweatpants out there. So so we'll go, Conrad. You 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 Sorry. obviously watched on TV the same way as I did. Uh, to yeah. me, at least watching on TV, it looked as though the United States just didn't want it as much. It looked like they were not as hungry for this win as Canada was. It looked to me like I was watching one team that wanted to go to the World Cup and one team that was just kind of there going through the motions. So I'm going to start this with a tactics answer rather than a passion answer sure you can't come into a game against canada that's missing steven asakio sure. sammy payette who is sure. an, who is an elite Concacaf defensive midfielder and without uh steven asakio who is our best midfielder all around and you can't come in and play a 3-3-4 i agree and not they needed to have four in the mid I know you had Richards coming up and Dest coming up from the back, but that's not the way you should be coming into a game against Canada when you know they're without three of their best players. So let's, you let's need go to there, be- Conrad. So let's 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 go there, and we'll bring Natasha on this too. Let's talk tactics. So in my opinion, I think that the U.S. made a tragic mistake in starting Jossie's artist today. I think that was a horrific decision. I thought playing a 3-3-4, 3-3-4. It was 3-3-4 yeah. officially. Yeah, 3-3-4. That, I mean, look. Let I know you guys are Canadian supporters, but let's let's talk about you know about the U.S. here for a little bit because you guys I think both can can handle it and can give a different perspective. In my opinion, um, Greg Burhalter today completely botched it from start to finish. I thought the tactical decisions were horrific. I thought the substitutions came too late, and I thought that there was just uh, mind blowing. I, I I don't I don't know how to explain it. So Conrad, we'll go to you first. Like you said. You 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 had 
your best player wasn't on the field, right? Like let's 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 call it what it is. You're and it looked like the U.S. just sent out. I, I can't even put the words out. Conrad, take it away. They sent out their worst possible starting eleven. Christian Pulisic has not played anywhere near as good as he should be in this window. Let's or this qualifying window at all. He Agreed. should not be taking your set pieces. Agreed. He had. We were commenting on it. If this is the future of American soccer, I would not want to be an American soccer fan right now with the way Christian Pulisic is playing. It was not international level. I'll call it like I saw it. Um, Kellen Acosta should have been on for 90 minutes, in my opinion. Pepe should have been on the field for 90 minutes. Agreed. Um, and I'm going to be honest. You need a new keeper. Turner has played well, but he was not in great position from either goal. I'll give it that both of these goals were scored by Canada. Might not be worldies, but they were top quality goals. But Turner, I yeah, didn't so impress me. I'll give you my opinion on Turner. And that's, you know, I still think Stefan is the 1A. I do think Stefan is the 1A, but Stefan is hurt right now, which is why he didn't play. Um, and Turner's good. Like, he's he's a decent keeper, right? It's not like we're talking about someone who's who's tragically bad, right? But, like, if you're telling me that Turner has to play, I would at least feel confident in that. I'm not going to be like, all right, put bet the house on it. But I, I think he can make a save or two here and there. Um, but, like, if you put him on a scale with the way Milan Borjan's been playing... Oh, of course. ...this entire qualifying window, the yeah, scale's no been massively tilted to Borjan. Like, Natasha, did your heart nearly stop off that corner? Oh, my God. Like, and and for, I was at the other end of the field, so I thought, like, it totally looked like it was going in, but it's just, it's not fair to compare anyone, anyone to Borjan right now. He's just, he's a superhuman. Yeah, so I think, you know, I think you're right. I think that, you know, while we're on the topic of keepers, I think that you bringing a four-keeper rotation to a World Cup qualifying window is a question mark in its own right, right? Like, I mean... Wait, you guys have four keepers in camp? Yes, I didn't see that. Yes, they brought four keepers to camp. It, it was a whole thing here in the U.S. One, they They decided that we needed four keepers. Uh, and nobody knows why. Um, and this was before Stefan got hurt, mind you. So they came in to camp with four keepers. If this um, was for a gold cup, I can understand that. No, this but isn't. Yeah, this, is, this isn't for that. This is for a world qualification window. Right, right. So um, going back now that we got that out of the way, and we'll come back to Greg Berhalter because I will have some things to say. I want to talk about Canada and looking forward. So. Guys, you know, I'm going to put it into the universe. It would take a monumental collapse on your guys' part at this point to not be at the World Cup. Now, granted, the United States, we know a thing or two about monumental collapses, but you guys aren't us. So, um, you know, let's talk about it. Uh, Do you guys think, or I guess we'll put it this way, what do you guys think, we'll go to Natasha first, has been the difference that has made this team right on the cusp of doing something that has only happened once in the history of Canadian football. Like how did we get here and what is the secret formula? I mean, I think there's a few different things. I think 
I think one is that there's just a lot of individual players who have had really taken off in their development. Um, I think um, John Herdman's really done a good job of playing players to their strengths and kind of bringing out their individual qualities and stuff and just changing the mindset of this team. Um, I think I think the mindset aspect is something that's helped on both the men's and women's side in the past year too. Bev Priestman's also done a great job with the women. Um, I really love how she talks about being brave um, and going out there. And just we have so many talented players who just always struggle to get that final result. Um, and I think the other difference is just Canada's playing like a team. We may not have as many players in top leagues and stuff. You know, people. Um, may not view us as a team of superstars other than, you know, players like Alfonso Davies, but, you know, they just all stepped up. They're constantly talking about, you know, being brothers and the band of brothers and just, you know, no matter what throws at us, no matter what, you know, CONCACAF throws at us, we've just, we've just figured it out. And a lot of our games, they've been ugly, but we've, we've pulled off the results we've needed and here we are. So Conrad, going to you, you know, Natasha mentions that concept of playing like a team and, you know, something that seems to be missing from a lot of the other CONCACAF teams, so to speak, is this mindset of actually playing as a unit versus a individual. How much of you think that's played into this? 100%. That is the reason we are where we are. John Herdman started that with our national women's team when he took a squad of Christine Sinclair and what was considered a bunch of nobodies other than Steph LeBay and took that team to back-to-back bronze medals and then handed off that team. And now we've got gold. I apologize for hitting my mic there. I talk with my hands, but he's done that with the men's side. He is convincing players that in the days of, I have to say his name, Owen Hargraves, they wouldn't have used their Canadian citizenships. They would have found a way to go play for a team in Central America, use their secondary passports to go play for a European team. But with Herdman and the success that this team is having, People are wanting to use their Canadian passports. Look at Ao Akinola, who unfortunately is still coming back from his, it was an Achilles tear, correct, Natasha? ACL. Remembering that right? ACL. ACL tear. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's ACL tear. It's Wertherspoon who has the, or the Achilles tear. Anyways, but people are starting to say, you know what? I don't want to go use my Jamaican passport. I want to go play Alfonso Davies, Kyle Laren. Jonathan David and build this team to what it is. And he's also taken chances on guys that were unheard of prior to this qualification window. Like who knew the name Steven Estacchio, even as a Canadian fan coming into our gold cup run. Nobody knew who he is. Oh my God. That assist that he had in the Honduras game. There was even people on Twitter who were saying, why is Alistair Johnson our lineup? And he frees Jonathan David for a worldie. If you haven't checked that goal Go Google it from our Honduras mask. One of the best goals I've seen in a long time. But we're putting belief into these players. We're looking at people who are playing in second tier legs. Like Milan Borian's playing for Red Star Belgrave. Like that's not a team that most people know. Hell, I didn't know it until probably about, <laughs> let's call it a year ago. I'm a big Red Star fan, so I'm biased. And we're playing him over a guy f- who's named Maxime Cropot, who is now playing for LAFC. Like, we're starting to believe in these guys. And, like, the fact that Sam Adekubie finally got his first goal, the fact that you're seeing a guy who's worked his pants off for TFC and Richie Larea finally making a transfer to Europe. We're finally getting eyes on this team. And 
it is this belief in these players who don't carry the biggest badge on their shirt in club play that is pushing this team forward. So um, real quick, because we are going to pivot to another topic, but before I do, I want to ask both of you guys the question that I've been dying to ask since, since we started talking about this, which is how far do you believe, honestly, not don't give me a cupcake answer, how far do you believe this team can actually go? In your heart of hearts, Natasha, do you do you think what is the cap for this team? Like what what to you would be would be the the anything more than blank would be considered icing on cake? I mean, is there anything more important than a good showing at the World Cup? Like I mean, we're not going to win it. Like, I love this team, but we're not going to win the World Cup. But I think just going and scoring the first goal there, that'll that'll be a pretty big step. And I think just, I'm not concerned about how far we get or whatever. I think just going there and playing well and showing the world that we earned our spot and we deserve to be there. I think that's a big motivator for this team too, is, you know, we've got 2026 coming up, but they want to qualify like on their own through the, through the octagon and I just I just want to see them get up there and show them what we're made of and I also want to see us win win a gold cup that's Conrad, I know unrelated from the is, world cup but that's a that's a big goal too <laughs> what is what is what is the the furthest you can realistically see this team going we had this discussion before we started recording I think that this team depending on if we draw into a group of death or not I think that we can get out of group stages I know I that's a do. big dream, but this squad, especially when we have a full roster, I think we can certainly push past the group stages. The one inhibiting factor, I believe, is how bloody hot it is going to be in Qatar. Our weakest games have come in extreme heat, so that is something that I hope in my heart of hearts that with a World Cup window approaching, we do get a long extended training in a country that has similar conditions we are winning all these games in our backyard we now need to learn how to win in other people's backyards and we've taken a draw to both mexico and the u.s in their own backyards we need to learn to win away so i am going to say something here and i want this to be on record which is why i asked because i'm going to surprise a lot of people here when i say this but as i have said and will continue to say um i don't think that this Canadian team is getting the respect it deserves. Um, I think this is a good team. This is a legitimately good, strong team. And I don't even think we've seen the best of it yet. I think that there is so much more coming, that there is so much in the pipeline that we don't even know about yet. I think this team isn't just going to go to the World Cup. I think they're not just going to get out of their group. I think they're probably going to win their group. And I think they're probably going to win a knockout stage game. They're a good team. They are strong. And more importantly, if you go and look at what's happened in the last couple of World Cups, the teams that actually advance and make it out of their group and make it into the knockout stages are not necessarily the teams that have all the star players. They're the teams that know how to actually play as a unit. Because when you're in neutral site games, playing as a unit, that that's a huge, huge advantage. Having each other's backs, and more importantly, having steady leadership that can help you through a rocky, tumultuous experience is going to be helpful. 
I see Conrad has his hand raised, so I'm going to let Conrad jump in here. So, I hate using stereotypes. They're my least favorite thing to use. But Canadians, we are raised to be humble. That is how we are born. That is how we are told to be. But I, I agree, Ultra. I think maybe it is time to be brash. It is time to be vocal. It is time to be a voyager and put yourself out there and truly get behind this team. And with it, with the roster that we had and with the roster that we can have, I, I think that is a dream we can have. So I'm telling you guys, like, it's not a dream. It's, it's, a, it's, it's here. Like, in my opinion, you guys are the best team in CONCACAF right now. It's, it's not even close. It's, 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 it, let, let's just call it what it is. You got draws in Mexico and the United States, and you didn't just win against Mexico and the United States and Canada. You, you did it convincingly, right? Like, let's, let's get that cleared up. So this is not like, oh, you know, Costa Rica went on a magical run. This is, you guys kicked everybody's ass and you're looking good doing it. And that is important to point out. With that being said, I want to pivot now to some not so fun topics of discussion. And that is um, that unless you've been living under a rock, you may or may not know, but again, probably do know at this point, that FIFA has a homophobia problem. It is a very well-known documented fact. And unfortunately, our friends in Mexico um, are becoming one of the poster childs for, for that. Um, we There was an announcement, I believe, today in the stadium at the Azteca, again, even with reduced fans. And we believe, we it's hard to tell, but we believe that there was homophobic chance once again. Um, Antonio, you can confirm this for me, but I believe uh, they were that Mexico was sanctioned to, with less fans for their last two home games because of homophobic chance in the last window, correct? Yes. So, um, you know, this is a situation now that it's becoming an issue, right? It's been an issue, but it's becoming like, what do we do about it? Uh, I have said on this podcast multiple times that I think if you really want to make a difference and do something that is going to hurt the Mexican Federation, so to speak, you should only let U.S. fans into their game at the Azteca. You know, nothing would piss them off and get this point across more than a, a home game in Mexico filled with nothing but U.S. fans. But I think what's realistically going to happen is if there were homophobic chants, it is very likely that fans will not be allowed. And now I think you're talking about possibly docking points from qualification. Like there are, there's got to be more steps taken. So we're going to go to Antonio first and then we'll go to Conrad. Okay. Uh, what I've been hearing in the games and I've been Googling um, on the thing. Um, all I've been hearing this the only thing I know is from the game is all I've been hearing was the was the uh they were screaming Mexico, the two thousand fans. They were doing this thing that they were you guys were saying in the last podcast that with the email, the QR code, we will yeah. we will figure it out because I, I that's what I know from people who were at the game that yes, they got my email, they got everything, you know, how you said you don't want them to know. Uh watch out for Televisa, I'm just saying. Um, um, a good Alisa Chapo is in prison, so you're good, so you guys don't worry about that. Oh, goodness. Um, 
from what I know, that's what I've been hearing. I did not hear what happened at the end because the 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 broadcast went out. That you hear the uh the people, the broadcasters talking. After that, I didn't hear nothing. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. I don't know. We will we'll find out in the coming days. Like I'm saying, I don't know. Like you said, what is like you said, what's gonna happen? Like you said, the possibility now is probably a neutral side. You're thinking of saying, well, let's go to Mexico and put fans. Yeah, but let's all be honest. If that thing happens, don't you think like how you're going to go to Mexico and not be hearing the rumors that the Mexico-USA game is going to be about, it's going to be a midday, a midday game, like 1 o'clock maybe in the afternoon. Um, do you guys really want to see a bunch of away fans blame it on the heat and everything like that? Or you rather go somewhere no, no. that is not that is much more neutral, like let's say this game is somewhere in Central America. Or so, Canada. so let me put it to you this way, Antonio. So, like when I say letting opposing fans in only, it's the optics, right? Because the the goal is to get across to the Mexican fans and the Mexican Federation that like it's not okay. And one way to deliver that message, so to speak, would be for the Mexican fans in Mexico on TV to see their stadium, their national stadium filled with only opposing fans. Like that is a very strong delivered message. I mean, I mean, to be completely honest, this, since I was in Mexico for like, but you would know more than I would. No, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say this now. I've been there. What in three years and I'm making this series, hopefully by the end of the year, uh, me talking about that. We're very stubborn. Like we would, we we don't give a f- we don't give wait can I curse now? We don't give a f- uh okay yeah yeah you don't give an F you know I, maybe not that one you can get away with a lot of things okay we don't give no I'm gonna say I'm gonna say we don't give a flying tortilla what is gonna happen sure um <laughs> and <laughs> to be completely honest um this whole the word has been going on since many a lot of people were saying oh this has been happening for years this has only been happening for maybe i want to say about maybe less than 20 years since 2000 yeah it started at club america games right no it was in the game somewhere or was it guadalajara no but my team hell no no it was it i don't know who it was. was in um i i don't quote me it's probably is between two themes Club Pachuca or Club Morelia. That's, that's where the chant came from. And I don't remember what game was it, but that I, what I remember, it came from that. Um, I, you know, the, a lot of people were saying, you know, yeah, we should stop saying the word and everything like that, but it's not going to happen soon. It's not going to happen. No matter what FIFA does, that the duck points, they they really don't care. Some people makes it as a fun, some this other stuff. Um, but as many people don't know, is that how it's translated in English and in Spanish, it means different things. You For know, sure. In in in, in, um, in English, how they say it is this this way, but in Spanish means another another way. So. So for sure. Yeah. So um, maybe how. You everybody's thinking it means this way actually means the other way. It's it's different language, a different barrier. Uh, 
I've been saying if you're gonna start with Mexico, this, uh, this you should start where where it all began before anything anything like that, so that people yeah, for sure. people know for sure. it's not it's not gonna stop until you hit on everything and not just target one thing because then because then if for for a fan it's gonna be like what so we're gonna keep on saying it because you're still targeting us even though there's other countries still doing the whole thing. We saw what happened. What in the what was it, in the Olympics or in the with the Euros in the and Euros and this other yeah. stuff? I'm like, it's been happening there much more longer. We saw stereotypes. We saw people throwing bananas. We seen doing this. Yeah. I mean, until you hit on everything, this 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 is not gonna stop. It's gonna continue until FIFA goes after everything, and we all know. And I'm gonna say it. FIFA is not gonna go after them because what everybody else Corrupted. in corporate and everything else they love the moolah they love the money. So so I want to go to Conrad real quick because I saw them and then Natasha. So Conrad, go ahead and jump in here and get your thoughts out there. This isn't an isolated incident to the Azteca anymore. No, in the Canada versus Mexico game in Edmonton, they made an announcement saying directed it wasn't directed but we all know what happened we heard it in the stadium that the chance needed to stop then it continued and it even happened in our supporters bar we were watching the canada versus honduras game there was mexican supporters in attendance and anytime max Cripo touched the ball we heard it throughout the bar this isn't acceptable like i i understand antonio the yeah. fact that it can be translated different ways but being a broadcaster, as me and Alter can talk about, it isn't always about what the word means coming out of your mouth. It is who is hearing it whose opinions matter. Yeah, true. It, at the end of the day, if it means something to you, great. But if it means something to the rest of the world, that is what matters, especially when this game is going on the world stage. I mean, I'm, Agreed. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it like is not this and other stuff. I mean, it should stop. Yes, yeah, it should stop automatically. I do agree. Um, about this whole thing, you know, is for for me is that you know everybody knows I I don't know Jake, you know I've been seeing soccer for like since I was ten, since no maybe right. eight years old, and I've been seeing all this stuff. You know, I seen people throw uh, bags of pee, people throw rocks, people throw bananas. I seen homophobic. Uh, what was it? One of uh, one of the club. Uh, I call it Senet. I, I think it's in Russia or something like that. Where um, yeah, FC Zenit. Yeah, those for years that we know for years they also have done. The only reason they haven't been targeted because you know getting broadcast right to Europe back in the day was very hard. For and sure. now with technology is much becoming much more simpler. Uh, for me. For this whole thing to stop, for me, honestly, it has to target everybody, national, club, and everything. Financially, it's not going to work. I think what has to happen is what happened to Mexico in the 90s and not give them a World Cup or for a club that, that, for a club that their main money way to get their money is Champions League. Give take that right out from that. Yeah. Um if so, like like in Italy where they have that whole fiasco of the the um the points thing. 
that they're that would be a bad that day. Juventus went to second division. That has to happen. It's not gonna happen just given hey, we're gonna make sure there's no there's not gonna be no no fans in the teams. There's this and that. That is not gonna work. You have to go hard on this. So that makes sure if let's say if um this whole thing happens, hey, this this uh Champions League, okay, you lose it. Mexico, you you lose the work uh you, the thing, we're gonna give it to Panama. Even though they didn't qualify, right. this has to happen worldwide, so that way they know, hey, this thing needs to stop. So I want to go to Natasha now because Natasha's been very, very politely and very, very eagerly wanting to jump in. So Natasha, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? I guess a few thing point, quick points. I think I really want to echo what Conrad said. I hope you saw me like air clapping silently there. Just you know, it's it's not about what the people saying this kind of stuff intend it's how the people on the field or in the fan or in the stands or whatever interpret it and we need to stand up for them and protect them um and i'm also really the thinking that they got to just stop pausing the games or handing out fines and stuff it it needs to have a direct impact on the game and the standings to make clubs and national teams take responsibility for their own fans and speaking from a canadian perspective we've been frustrated because in the gold cup they paused the game, totally killed Canada's momentum. Mexico scored at the end and went on to the final. At the Azteca, they weren't even supposed to have fans there, but they lessened their penalty. So we did have fans. Once again, the game was paused, killed our momentum. It's just, that's not working anymore. Canadian fans really feel that Mexicans, Mexican fans are doing this to give the team an advantage. And Again, it's just clearly this isn't working at the club level, at the at the international level. You know, CONCACAF, FIFA, leagues, whatever, just need to start giving penalties that are going to impact the game more to make teams take responsibility. Whether that's deducting points, I personally think maybe they should just start giving yellow cards to the captains or something. And who cares if that's their second yellow of the game or it's an accumulation? Like, I think something like that is going to make um, fans pay more attention um and the clubs and teams themselves so i uh, will I, go ahead go ahead. uh let me jump in your real quick and then i'll let you go uh so what i want to say because you all have brought up good points right um i will just say being non-binary being uh pansexual being it's not a secret to anybody that follows our podcast um you guys have all hit the nail on the head for the most part it is not necessarily what the word translates to it is not necessarily what the word means in your own circles right i'll give you an example we've talked about this on the podcast before you know what i say around my friends to my friends the people who i absolutely love and adore who know me on a personal level is one thing right but just because i would say to my best friend who is also going, oh, hey, you know, you're a blah, 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 blah. Doesn't mean I'm going to go out in the street and yell at somebody, hey, you're a blah, 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 right? Because even though I would know that what I'm saying is coming from a place of love or necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to take it that way. So public perception is what's important. It doesn't necessarily mean that, look, do I believe that everybody in the Mexico stands or everybody in whatever stand that's chanting along with everybody in unison is automatically homophobic? Of course not, because that, that's not necessarily what's happening, right? I 100% believe that there are people who believe that what they are saying is not necessarily and 
truly in their mind, not coming from a place of angst and anger. But I also believe that on the other end of that token, there are a hundred percent people who are doing it out of malice. And that is what matters because what's publicly perceived is the fact that FIFA has a homophobia problem and that there are people who are gay, who are afraid to play sports all around the world. There are people who are, who hide their identities like myself. When I played soccer in college and high school, I did not, I was not out because I was definitely afraid that if I was out with my teammates, I would be ostracized or worse, beat up, kicked off the team, any number of options, right? So I hid that and it was incredibly painful for me because I wanted to be an out player. We've had out players in other sports in America, like Michael Sam came out before the draft. His draft stock, when he was going to be a first round pick, dropped to a sixth round pick. This is a serious problem. So we got to talk about public perception and what it looks like. And we've got to protect all of our players. And it's more so to me about that little six-year-old kid in the stands who's attending a game, who hears somebody yelling X, Y, and Z, and it has to say, well, why are they saying that? Why is this not a safe space for me? And that's what the problem is. And I do think you're right, Antonio. I think it's not fair to just pick on Mexico because it is an across-the-board situation. And I think that Natasha hits that nail on the head as well. I think we need to start doing things that are actually going to make an impact. Clearly, stopping the game is not the answer because that just derails everybody's momentum. And if I knew that my team was struggling and could use a timeout, I would 100% do everything I could as a fan to give them an advantage. But we have a rule for that in hockey. It's called obstruction. And you know what happens when that happens to a game? Ask any Philadelphia Flyers fan in the playoffs. You know, your team gets a penalty. And then they have to deal with the ramifications of that. And you know what? The players don't like that very much. And suddenly they start speaking up real quick. So there are ways to do this without actually impacting and giving an advantage. I think giving a yellow card to a player is great. I think giving a penalty kick, if it becomes an issue, you really want to impact the game, give a PK, give a free kick, give a, you know, if you got to introduce penalties in soccer because of this, fine. I don't care what it takes, but there's got to be some answer that is not where we're at. So that's just my piece. Conrad, I'm going to hand to you. I'm going to point to a player who I've learned a lot about over the last 12 months, and that player's name is Colin Martin. He plays for a team in the U.S. called the San Diego Loyal. He does. He's a very good friend of mine. He was called a racial slur in a separate language than um, English, and his quad walked off. There has not been a single incident in the UCL League One since that. USL, there is not. Or USL, sorry. However, I wonder if the Mexican team needs to start doing this. As it's clear that messages to the Federation aren't working. The fines... The potential loss of points, that isn't helping. Maybe this team needs to start walking off the pitch to show unity. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I would. I We were chanting for the Canadian team to leave when it happened in Edmonton. I think that needs to start happening. It affected change in the Champions League when Valencia walked off against due to racism against Cadiz. Maybe this needs to start happening in CONCACAF. This is my solution. And... I fully support any squad that has the support of the LGBTQIA community that walks off. Yeah. Natasha, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I, I like the idea of teams walking off, but I think the more that teams really stand up in these really visible ways, it can inspire fans to, um, you know, stand up to people who are shouting inappropriate things or whatever. You know, I think, um, I can't remember which game, but um, one of the World Cup qualifiers at home in Toronto I was at, there were just some like teenagers or whatever just kind of came up. I don't think they were actually sitting there. I think they just wanted to be with the supporters and they started doing the chant and stuff. and. People just shut them down right away. Um, you know, as much as there are these bad actors within soccer fandom, I think most people know that it's wrong and they want it to stop. And I think, um, I think it's, I think sometimes people struggle with just calling people out on it. But I think if that, you know, the teams and clubs are kind of setting the example there, it can help a bit with people standing up for their fellow fans. Not a perfect solution, but I think it all kind of comes together to help solve this. And, you know, I'll, I want to end on this point before we pivot into one last topic. And that's that, look, you know, it's, it is a, it is a, it is a serious problem. Um, you know, a lot of people who listen to the podcast, I think I've heard the story about what happened to me in New York City FC. But for those who didn't, you know, uh, I went up there in a skirt and a harness and a pup hood. And as I was walking into the game, um, I was called a faggot from up in this, up in the section while I was outside the stadium by um, by a 16-year-old up in the stands uh, because I had a skirt on and was shirtless in a harness. Uh, that is that is the reality of the situation, right? Like, and that's here at home in MLS. Uh, and so I think that it's just important to remember that just because we aren't hearing it doesn't mean we aren't seeing it. And so, you know, like, Things like that happen, but I do want to thank you guys for a very in-depth conversation on this topic. But now I wanted to move to another topic that I think we're all going to love, and that is VAR. And this is going to be the last topic of the podcast before we wrap up here. So, you know, yes, as we all make the VAR symbol uh, with our hands. Um, So real quick, if you didn't know, because it kind of slid under the radar a little bit, uh, CONCACAF did a complete and total whoopsie-doo and re- turned around real quick starting in 2022 and decided that, hey, this VAR thing that literally everybody else in the world has decided is a functionable tool, that's pretty nifty, and we really like that. So we're gonna, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna give that a try, but we're not really gonna announce that we're doing it. We're just gonna do it in a game suddenly, and everyone's gonna be like, wait, what? We're doing this now? So um, we didn't have it for the first half of World Cup qualifying. Would have been real helpful if we did, um, but we didn't. And we've got it now. And it seems like even now that we've got it, people are hesitant to use it unless they are. Like it, it. I don't. I don't know whether it was the training or whether it was the the lack of training. But it seems like the refs either are one of two things too reliant on VAR or don't want to touch it at all. And that's not really the point of VAR. Conrad is just itching over here. I can see it. Ooh. I can see, I can see he wants to offload. So, so go ahead, Conrad, let it, let it all out. So for any of our fans over in England, you've had the similar gripes about it being used in the FA cup. You either use it for the whole competition or you don't use it at all. Introducing it at this point is a complete misstep by CONCACAF. It's completely skewing matches. 
And like, I love that it was used to make sure that we weren't offside when Honduras scored an own goal on themselves. I love VAR in general. I wish the Canadian Premier League had it as the games I watch every week. Um, but you're going to have it the whole time or you're not going to use it. It's I, it's black and white to me. Yeah. Uh, Natasha, thoughts? I mean, I'm probably a bad soccer fan for not having a super strong opinion on this. But yeah, I agree. It's not not great that they only brought it in halfway through. And I just... I don't know, I think I have a lack of faith in CONCACAF's ability to use it consistently and appropriately, and at the very least, I'd rather them use it less than they should, than more, because, you know, we. I just don't want it turning into, ooh, let's measure if someone's elbow is offside, like certain leagues like to do. Uh, Antonio, do you have anything to say on VAR before I go to Conrad for last points? Um, I agree with Conrad, you know, it's uh, you're already doing it late, so why doing it at all? And I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll be completely honest. You had this whole cycle, the first half to at least train them. It doesn't look that they got trained. Uh, they just they just <laughs> looking for the people who already are aware with the technology to be that, and it's it's gonna get crazy. But um, like I said, maybe at the Maybe the last games, maybe it does save Mexico or it does save USA from possible elimination or going to New Zealand to play a playoff spot to enter to the World Cup. You know, because we don't want Jake to go all over the whole 2018 fiasco what happened. So, you know, maybe VAR would have happened that, but you never know. But Listen, Trinidad and Tobago, BAR, all I'm saying VAR, Trinidad and Tobago. We don't we're not gonna open that wound. Conrad, I'm gonna let you have the last word on VAR before I wrap up the podcast. So my last word on VAR is apparently this is rumor that I've heard through some of my sources with the CPL, is the reason we didn't have it for the initial wing was number one because of the cost to some of the lesser fortunate uh federations of CONCACAF. Uh I heard finger pointing at Honduras specifically. I'm not going to comment on that. That is what I heard. However, the other problem was 80% of the CONCACAF certified VAR referees are Canadian. So how can you have an impartial referee when 80% of them are from a single nation of CONCACAF? It's very hard. And I just worry that we've instituted it too soon. So here's what I would say in response to the first point. We have the ability to get all of these games on Paramount Plus. You're telling me we couldn't get a country like Honduras or Costa Rica or any whatever country, uh, a, a group of four guys in a, in a TV trailer back in New York City that they could call into the VAR and a VAR iPad down on the field for the referee? Because that, to me has always been a bad argument because again, uh, when it comes, when push comes to shove, it easily could have been done. It's that they didn't want to do it because it would have been a cost. Now, that being said, the second point I will a hundred percent give you, you cannot have 80% of the VAR referee pool being from one country. Um, you would hope that they could be impartial, but I get it. Um, you know, but hey, 
if it was going to be 80% of any country in CONCACAF, at least I would prefer it to be the one that has the most polite people. You know, that's all I'm saying. Because I don't see the Canadian referees out here trying the Montreal screw job anybody, to quote-unquote, uh, wrestling term for you. Antonio, go ahead. Um, I'm gonna say um I'm gonna say what um Conrad said what I've been hearing also from what Conrad also also been saying is that on uh, people are thus blaming Central America for this whole thing but um what I've been hearing also is that Concacaf didn't want to pay to have the uh, uh the refs to be trained and because they wanted to. They they wanted to go more like that, and they were hoping that during this whole half of the this the this whole tournament thing that they should that the other countries would um keep up, but unfortunately some of them haven't. So now you're having to pay the ones already know being the ones who are in the VR boots and this sort of stuff. So it mostly has to deal with the whole money situation of. Like, like I agree, Canada is mostly 80, 80 to ninety percent are the ones who will be the ones controlling. But um, it mostly has to deal with the money that they 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 don't want to pay to the ones who are much more experienced. This whole other thing, you know how you know how this whole thing is, and that's that's the sad part about it. You know, um, it could help, yes, but showing it right now is. I mean, you you only, you only have what like. Six games to go. Might as well just go for it. Just go without it, and and it does show. Yeah. And it does show a, a bad picture that you're showing it. That you're doing it now while other countries like in Central America, Europe, this other stuff. They already been using this since the start, and it's really messed up. At least, you know, maybe let's see what happens in 2026. At least they'll be much more prepared. We don't know what's gonna happen. Maybe they'll have. We sure hope so. Maybe they have AR technology. I don't know. Maybe the metaverse, whatever thing is called, you know, whatever technology <laughs> they have from now on. Um, I, I mean, it is helpful, yes, but I mean, at least, you know, you're getting the money. At least pay up so you could help them out, and this whole train wreck doesn't happen later later on. That's, that's my thought. So we're going to wrap up here, but before I do my closing spiel, I want to thank all three of you guys for being on the podcast, and I want to give you each an opportunity to plug any projects or socials that you guys want to throw out there for where people could find you and stuff like that. So, Conrad, you know, 30 seconds to a minute, go ahead and give your, your pitch here and so on and so forth. All right, if you want to see some hooliganism from the Canadian Premier League and a lot of Canadian content, you can follow me on Twitter at ConradCasts. C-O-N-R-A-D-C-A-S-T-S. You'll see a lot of hockey content on there too. I'm sorry. Um, But yeah, that's really all I have to push. Uh, Watch CPL if you can. Thank you, Conrad. Antonio, where can people find you? Um, You can find me on Twitter at Tony-2290. I have my podcast, uh, Host Talk. We're ending the season. We're about to start the fifth season. Uh, the end. This is the end of the podcast series before I go into my next project. Before I do this whole other, the Mexico series that's happening in 2023. 
we should be having, I should be starting recording next month to start the season in April, I'm hoping right now. Um, there's a lot of things going on with my part. And um, yeah, I hope to have Jake on it and everybody from Swiss to Pitch um, for the last season before I shut down that part until maybe come back again in the future and I don't know. There's a lot of projects that I want to do before. I want to take my mind off everything. But yeah. So thank you, Antonio. Natasha, where can people find you and any projects you're working on and so on and so forth? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Natasha underscore BD, mostly just rambling about Toronto FC and Canada soccer. And then I contribute a bit to Switch the Pitch and social stuff there too. Awesome. So I want to thank from the bottom of my heart, honestly, all, all three of you guys for being here. Um, I know it was kind of last minute and hopefully uh, you had a good time and will rejoin us sometime, uh, maybe as soon as uh, the next World Cup qualifying game window on Sunday, I think. Uh, hopefully we'll have Darby back. Um, again, this has been a bit of a different podcast. Uh, Darby and I are going to get together tomorrow to do a, for those of you who are our normal listeners, we're going to get together and do another one focusing mostly on the U.S., we want to do something a little different. Um, words will be said about Greg Berhalter on that podcast, I assure you. Um, words have been said about Greg Berhalter in this house. Uh, to give you a verbatim preview, my boyfriend, who um, has very recently become a U.S. soccer fanatic, uh, came in today and heard me screaming obscenities and said, what did Greg Berhalter do without even looking at the TV? So, like, didn't even know the U.S. was on TV. Just immediately shouted from upstairs, what did Greg do? And I'm, I shouted back, I'll tell you later. Um, so that's, that is the gist of, of our household. So um, you will hear more about that. But um, for myself and Antonio, Conrad, Natasha, thank you guys for listening. And we will see you guys next time. And that means we get to end one more time with our famous Boo Boozuela. So here it comes. <laughs> We'll see you guys next time. Have a good one.